perfectly okay when someone says, why is marriage between a man and a woman? It's perfectly acceptable to say, because God said so. And that's how he instituted it. We're some, for some reason, we're afraid to say that. And yet all the LGBT advocacy groups, they'll cite all their authorities, their sociologists, their scientists, their biologists, all these authorities to us, and we'll take it. Hello, my friends. I am very pleased to introduce you to someone you know very well. In fact, he's been on the show before. I've been on his show. There's a new thing going on in his life, though. He's running for president of the United States of America. And now you know who I'm talking about. We have Dr. Taylor Marshall with us. And uh, someone I'm proud to call a friend who has been a stalwart in terms of not only defending the faith, but teaching the faith in its really raw elements for a long, long time. And then got into this, you know, presentations on YouTube where really he's evangelizing, speaking into this culture of grave confusion, one of the lights that the Lord has provided to many, many Catholics and, and non-Catholics as well, to explain the faith in great detail, in great fidelity, with great love. And that's why it's so convincing. He's now running for president of the United States. We're going to find out all about that. What in the world is that about? Stay tuned to this episode of The John Henry Weston Show with Dr. Taylor Marshall. Hello, friends. To celebrate the momentous overturning of Roe v. Wade, we at LifeSite have minted just under 10,000 of these brand new limited edition pro-life silver rounds. Now, each round is stamped with the image of the Supreme Court of the United States featuring the date that the High Court delivered this historic victory. And on the front of our pure silver rounds, LifeSite's logo surrounded by a brilliant sunburst and draped with olive branches. They, of course, commemorate our 25-year anniversary of LifeSite News. We began in 1997 in September, so September of 2022 was 25 years. These one ounce silver rounds are available from our partners at stjosephspartners.com where you can fulfill all of your silver and gold needs in this perilous time. May God bless you. Taylor, so good to be with you. Good to be here, John Henry. Let's begin as we always do, the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So, Taylor, you are doing something incredible, shocking. I kid you not, when, when we saw your tweet, uh, we had our reporters go out right away and ask, is that for real? Is that for real? Well, you know, I've, I've been somewhat politically involved before, and I kind of started to sense that a lot of the momentum in conservative political circles is kind of being lost. And there's a lot of voices who are sort of given up on basic conservative principles like what is the definition of marriage, matrimony, what is the definition of human life? And we just had a huge win after the reversal of Roe v. Wade. I know that's a, you know, LifeSite News played a big part in that through the years. And, and it kind of feels like in Republican conservative circles, we've kind of moved on and patted ourselves on the back. And you know, if you look at our opposition, they are constantly using momentum to, to take more ground, to take up more public space. You see this every single June. You see this year round uh, in the secular, humanist, leftist, Marxist, socialist agenda. We seem to not be doing a very good job at that. And so I thought, you know, if we could 
if we could galvanize, if we could unite people around what is the definition of matrimony, what is the definition of human life, those issues are not lost. Those issues, those questions, those definitions resonate with a strong, maybe decreasing, but a majority of voters and of families and churches and states. And so I'm running for president because I want to shift the Overton window. We might be able to talk about what the Overton window means in politics. Briefly, it just means the, the window, the small area of what is politically, socially acceptable to talk about. It's kind of like the window of political correctness. And I don't think that we should allow ourselves for the Overton window to continue to slide further and further away from us. I think we should activate prayerfully as Christians, vocally being Christians, and that we should not only ask, but that we should demand for recognition for who we are in the political sphere and no longer agree to the idea of the this idea of separation of church and state, John Henry, what's like, I'm a member of the state as a citizen. I'm a member of the church as a Catholic. How can I separate that in myself? Think about that. How can I say, I am in the church, I am in the state. Those two realities can't be separated within me. So I need to carry Christ in my heart and in my voice into the public square, onto the debate stage. All of It's perfectly okay when someone says, why is marriage between a man and a woman? It's perfectly accept acceptable to say, because God said so, and that's how he instituted it. We're some, for some reason, we're afraid to say that. And yet all the LGBT advocacy groups, they'll cite all their authorities, their sociologists, their scientists, their biologists, all these authorities to us, and we'll take it. We should be able to cite the Lord of the universe, Jesus Christ, risen on the third day, second person of the Trinity. Why is, why is it that we feel ashamed or unqualified to bring that worldview, which is the proper worldview, into public discourse. And so that's why I'm running for presidency. I want to shift the Overton window and I want people to be unashamed and unafraid to be as bold as a lion when it comes to the very, I mean, we're not talking about advanced Catholic theology here. We're talking about the very basics of natural law. Amazing. Let's be you're, bold. You're such a, um... You're a scripture scholar as well. And as you're speaking, all uh, flashing to mind with all these scripture quotes, our Lord said, if you're going to be ashamed of me before man, I will be ashamed of you before my father. And we're in the octave still uh, when this is airing of the ascension. And at the ascension, our Lord tells the disciples, go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But you're talking about teaching them his ways. And he tells them, if they believe, and are baptized, they'll be saved. If they don't believe, they'll be condemned. What are we doing? How can we not do this? How can we not bring Christ into the culture, into the world? Um, you mentioned there your political involvement. I don't know that lots of people know about that. What's your political involvement? It's, I mean, I've, I've never run for office before. Um, my political involvement uh, most recently was that I served officially on the Trump campaign for Catholics for Trump. 
And I think one of the things that President Trump did well is, is he, he looked at the Catholic vote, which is big. I think 17% of registered voters are Catholic. So it's a, it's a pretty big demographic when you're looking at uh, American voters. And it's perhaps the most volatile when it comes to swing voters because Catholics, um, especially recently, have not really come down on one side of the Democratic or Republican divide. And I honestly believe one of the reasons why the Democrats chose Joe Biden is because he has the Catholic credential. And they know that the Catholic vote is a major swing vote, those 17%. If you can get that 17% to swing your way, I want Catholics to realize how powerful they are. Like, do you realize that we are maybe the biggest swing demographic in the United States? And if we galvanized and if we united and we demanded a moral Christian ethos that we could, we could attain that? Hmm. Have we actually ever considered that we are that strong? We are that sleeping giant. And that's one of the things, you know, one of the reasons why I'm running is I, I want people to wake up and to realize what is actually possible with our 17% of registered Catholic voters. So th that's, that's really important as we move forward. And, and so as I, I was in Catholics for Trump, you know, I realized President Trump and the kind of people that the campaign chose, you know, they didn't go to the USCCB. They, they didn't go to, to what would be considered traditionally inclined Catholic universities or academics. You know, they got people like Jesse Romero, mm -hmm. you know, and I think your audience all knows Jesse Romero. Or, you know, people like Abby Johnson and, and myself and Sister Didi. And these are sort of, they are Orthodox Catholics. They're well-known Catholics, but they're not company men or company women. They're the kind of Catholics who have been openly questioning and critical of, you know, the finances of the USCCB, um, with the way that Cardinal McCarrick rose to power and how he remained in power and how, you know, there wasn't too much of an investigation around the whole McCarrick scandal. So I, I think President Trump understood that activated voting politically minded Catholics. Sadly, I, I say this sadly, John, I'm not bragging about this. I'm not boasting. It breaks my heart. Ideally, Catholics should be led by their shepherds who are leading everyone to Jesus Christ. I think President Trump and his, his group of advisors realized that in our time, many of the laity feel disenfranchised and abused by the bishops mm -hmm. of this country. And so he, he made a gamble in the last election and he did very well with Catholics. Uh, I can't remember the exact number, but he did, he did very very well. But even in, in that process, John Henry, and, and I, I commend him for, for being part of the major process that overturned Roe v. Wade, and I commend him for seeing something happening in Catholicism in America uh, amongst lay people and voices. I still sense that when it comes to Republican platforms, all the way from the presidency down to local office, I sense a, I mean, we saw it just this week if we want to get specific, but I sense that there's this idea that if we're too pro-life, 
or for true, true pro traditional matrimony, we're going to lose. We got to water things down. We got to be a little bit more like the Democrats, a little bit more like Joe Biden, not totally crazy like Nancy Pelosi, but we got to somehow move that way. And then we're going to win all the offices and then America's going to get better. And we're going to become more conservative of all that. And if you watch my podcast, you know that I don't agree with that. Mm-hmm. And my concern is, is we as so-called conservatives, if that even means anything anymore, that we have capitulated on the most fundamental ideas of political discourse. For example, the family is the building block of the state, of community, of the nation. That goes back Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, certainly in the Old Testament, certainly in the New Testament, certainly in the Catholic tradition, abandoning that. And then just, we talk about rights all the time and LifeSite News is great on this. You can't have any of the rights, like the right to water, the right to housing, the right to medical care, if you don't have the right to life. John Henry, if you're dead, you don't need housing. You know, you you need life. And so, you know, the LGBT community is so good at using crises and wins to propel themselves into future wins for their cause. And like, I think the Roe v. Wade overturn is a perfect example of a major win, like winning the Super Bowl and then putting the football down and not preparing for another season. And almost like, well, we did that. And then like, oh my, it's almost like some Republicans are saying, man, we almost went too far. Hmm. You know, we're going to, we're, we're too pro-life now, man, did we mess up by, by winning the Super Bowl? And that right there, I think shows a insecurity in the conservative movement. And it shows in a way on some issues of defeatism. Mm-hmm. And so I believe, I really do believe John Henry, if we could galvanize on these basic fundamental issues, again, I'm not saying open your page to Tertia Parse and the Summa Theologiae of Thomas Aquinas and let's adopt this into law. I'm talking about the very basics of human decency and honor culture, a culture that puts family number one, in the safe environment of children with God willing in an ideal situation, a nuclear family with a mother and a father who love each other and society holding them up and embracing them. You look over at Hungary, what Viktor Orban's doing with his family policy. In America, we need to be doing that. It's not like it's a platonic form that's unreachable. In Hungary, they are implementing some beautiful policies to assist holy matrimony so for that families stay together and also so that families grow and it affects the birth rate in a positive way, which affects the economy. And, and just so many good things are happening in a place like Hungary. We could also make moral alliances with places like Poland. You know, th- that's the idea is we could have moral alliances. They don't have to be all about war. We could have alliances with other countries that share our vision and are, and are pushing for a world that recognizes the logos, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So I hope in running for president to bring this kind of discourse to the debate stage. And, uh, you know, if by a miracle of miracles and miracles, I even got on the stage, that would be wonderful. But if we could just get, I'm preparing 12 talking points, 12 bullet points, if we could just get five of these 12 to be debated 
mm-hmm. by leading candidates, that'd be a major win. The Overton window would begin to shift in our way. Mm-hmm. Another way of, I've always thought of this, they always talk about politics being the art of compromise. And it's so funny because the left stays completely solid. They demand the absolute extreme and they make up new extremes to go further. They never are satisfied. It's never like we want marriage. Then it's homosexual marriage, of course. Um, we want Now we want that to be able to do with little kids so that we're <laughs> changing the law. Right. And then, oh no, now we want the little kids to be able to change into the opposite sex so we can do who knows what. I mean, you'd think it's insane, but they not only never rest, they keep going. As bizarre as we might have thought it to be, they just keep going anyway. And so that when, and conservatives, they're always like, well, let's, let's give as much as we can. Let's move to their position as far as we can. But if politics is a compromise, that compromise point always shifts further and further to the left. It's impossible. And that's the same concept as your Overton window concept. We, we have to stick to the absolute truth and not move from it because yes. then that art of compromise comes to the middle and the middle is at least not continuing to float over to the left. It's impossible. So uh, you get it, John Henry, you get it. You have uh, an amazing point there also about Hungary and moral alliances with other countries, because we've watched over the past number of years, certain countries, sometimes startlingly, do something that's very sane from a Catholic Christian worldview, from a moral worldview. Um, tell us some things that other countries are doing that you'd like to see the U.S. adopt so that people understand what you're proposing here isn't radical at all. It's normal. It's natural. It's not common, but it is normal. Sure. I mean, I, I think a great example is Hungary. You know, Pope Francis was just in Hungary. He met with Viktor Orban. He had some some good things to say. And some of the things they're doing, I mean, I won't get too much into the particulars, but, you know, they have an allowance for couples when they get married. I think it the allowance lasts for 24 months after wow. they are married. They even give benefits, John Henry. This is really, I think it's called the grandmother law. I might have it wrong. They actually give benefits to grandmothers who are helping and assisting with the raising of children with with the mother at home. I I mean, these are creative things, but they are actually doing these things to to promote and subsidize healthy families. Um, They have a housing benefit, and it's based on whether you have one, two, three, or four or more children. Hmm. That's they have also a maternity benefit. Get this. If I have it correct, the maternity benefit is equal to 225% of the minimal pension at the time of the birth of a child. In the case of twins, it is 300% the pension. Wow. So um, parents also receive extra paid vacations during the year. And uh, there's also reductions in taxes. So all of these things, what they're saying as a society is they're saying we, as a society, value children. We, as a society, value families. And so we are going to provide incentives to help what we value. 
-hmm. Our country values other things. And so they'll place a certain flag on every embassy in the entire world or every state monument. And so they have those values. And so they are in a way using money, law, time symbols to promote what, what this country and those leaders, what they value. Hungary is valuing something else. And so I'm saying, why aren't we Christians demanding that we value children and we value family? Yeah. And we do yeah. that by implementing policies. Victor Orban has done a great job. And look, he's getting results. It's actually working. Mm -hmm. We should copy and paste what Hungary is doing. Insert, paste it into the United States. That's one of my one of my points. Yeah. And it makes so much sense. I mean, the valuing of children and of families and of healthy families makes sense from an economic only, if you want to only look at that, incentive for your country because you're getting exactly. your next generation, you're investing in your next generation, your future, rather than relying on an influx of people who are going to come in from outside, not with your values nor your work ethic. And then they're all harboring to have other people in who might not be good for your economy and whatnot. So there's so many advantages to this makes so much sense. And that's why hunger is being condemned, I guess. But um, it, it does. We reported recently that um, Japan has banned pornography. Um, and you've got that in mind as well. Tell us about that, because there's so many sane places doing some sane things. And it's already out there. Why can't we, as you said, bring it to America? Yeah, I mean, what, one of the things that I'm trying to do with this presidential campaign is show that, you know, it may sound like I'm completely insane even mentioning these things, but they're actually being done right now in 2023 in other countries. So like you'll say, we need to ban pornography. And people say, that's impossible. You can't do that. You Christians. Well, Japan's done it. And we know for a fact that pornography is dangerous to men, to women, to children, to marriages. We could go on and on. LifeSite News has all the data, all the stories, all the demographics. And it's like saying, well, there is like sewage leaking into all these homes across America. Well, we can't do anything about that. Yes, you can do something about it. And pornography is that sewage. I mean, there are certain things that you can and cannot say on the internet and on social media platforms. Would you agree, John Henry Weston, that they police you <laughs> on, on social media platforms? Having been so canceled if twice they're by so YouTube, good at yeah. policing all of that, why aren't they so good at policing child pornography? or hardcore pornography or any pornography. Yeah. Like, why is it that Japan can do it and we can't do it? Yeah. Or some of the, even some of these um, websites and applications that are so damaging to, to families and to children, it, it is being done. And that means it, it can be done. Now I can see here an objection from people, particularly as we were talking about Hungary and the, and the family friendly values and policies. John Harry, they're going to say to oh, us, well, I don't have a family. So why is the state privileging and giving tax credits and allowances to married people? You know, and that's not fair and on and on. Well, we live in America and right now tax advantages, hiring and diversity hiring, all this stuff is being implemented and funded by the state and the flag placed on all the embassies for what percentage of the population? What is the LGBT population? I know it's always moving, but you know, it's down there, single digits, people. 
And so all of us Christians are just like, oh, well, yeah, it's too bad. I'm going to complain. I'm going to write another tweet about this new latest thing in the the L to the LMNOP, whatever's going on. But they're demanding for this, and they're getting it. We should be demanding, and we should be getting it. We are bigger. We are older. We are stronger. Um, arguably, our civilization is built on this worldview, not on that worldview. So, yes, uh, it may be that if you're a single person, you don't benefit from these policies. Indirectly, you will. But to say that every policy has to affect every citizen equally is just not the case in America. And the and the LGBT community and their privilege is just a obvious example to that. One of the things we're hoping to see is that your issues are brought forward. I know it's expensive to run. It, it costs a lot to get onto the presidential stage at all. There's a fear that media won't cover you. And what are your thoughts on those things? Well, I've always been uh, an entrepreneurial person and I've always, people always tell me what I, what, that's not possible. You can't do that. You can't, you know, start your own institute or publish your own book or do your own show. And I just do it. And, um, but there's also a bunch of things that I've tried in my life that I've failed and I that haven't worked. And I, I don't know, I think, you know, the, I think it's in the Proverbs that says that the righteous are bold as a lion and the, the wicked flee when no one is pursuing. And if you think about all the stories in the Bible, it's always the, the, the when you're down and out, you know, the underdog, the, the David, the shepherd with his slingshot. These are these moments at the edge of the Red Sea when you're about to be drowned with Pharaoh pursuing you. I mean, let's just give it a shot. The worst thing that could happen, John Henry, is that everybody on Twitter and Facebook laughs at Taylor Marshall. What an idiot. Look what he tried to do. He's so dumb. He failed. Okay, so what? I'm okay with that. I'm completely okay with that. If people mocking me and saying I failed, that's fine. But we have to give it a try. You know, somebody in Hungary said, you know, wouldn't it be great if we could institute these policies and help families? And a lot of people said, that's stupid. You can't do that in Europe. You can't do that in a post-Soviet country. That's never going to work. Well, they did it. Someone in Japan says, you know what? This porn is getting out of control. We need to ban pornography. And a lot of people said, you can never do that. And they did it. You know, a lot of people probably said the Roman Empire will never be Christian. That's ridiculous. Look how pagan and evil it is. And it happened. So let's just go for it and try it. And if the worst thing that's going to happen is people are going to make fun of you and talk about what an idiot you are, that's not that bad of a thing. So yeah. to me, it's worth it. Now, you've met President Trump personally. You were at the dinner with me, which was, was organized by Steve Bannon, very much involved in the Trump campaign. But for pro-lifers, Trump has particularly recently, in, in recent weeks, stunningly showed an ignorance of the pro-life movement that's just that's just unreal when when he talked about how you know we're going to to it's too harsh and too far with even a six-week ban this that's just mind-blowing uh, newsflash for president trump and anybody who thinks anything about pro-lifers pro-lifers are about life it's about abortion is murder and that's it and that's why i loved so much <laughs> one of your recent posts about murder is murder like hello yeah we saw that same thing, though, even during his presidency uh, with, I should say, though, before I continue, 
we we love part of it. The, the only Amy Coney Barrett and the overturning of Roe really rests with him in a way. In, in history, that'll go down. And he did bring God back to America in some very real ways. When Obama was trying to basically eliminate the name of God from everywhere, he brought it back. And he was all about Merry Christmas and God bless you and God bless America. But the same-sex marriage thing, the whole pushing of the alphabet agenda was very clear with President Trump, shockingly and, and sadly for, for so many of us who had such hopes uh, for his presidency. And after having met him and been with him and, and been people, all sorts of people involved in the campaign, and part of the reason why we were so um, into President Trump was because he had people like you. There were so many people gathered around him, Sister Didi and, and Jason Jones and all these folks who were like a lot of LifeSite's friends in, the, in America. It was like, wow, who is this president finally getting real people in his campaign? So it was incredibly enthusiastic for a time. But there's been a lot of letdowns. I don't know if you can speak to that now, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, here's my here's here. I think this is a, a sober remark on it, and that is, if you compare ourselves to the LGBT community, they always demand, and they always expect. So if if a corporation said we're not going to run these ads or we're not going to run these logos. We're not going to run these products. There would be repercussions. There would be phone calls. There would be meetings and all that. I'm not trying to excuse president Trump on these things. I I think he needs to get back to the basics on these issues and he'll, he'll get a groundswell of support. But I think on our side of things, like I said earlier in this interview, we we flipped Roe v. Wade and we pat ourselves on the back and it's kind of like it's over. And what we should have done is that should have been a major movement to raise funds and choose political candidates and to raise awareness and like rah, 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 we're winning. We're going to continue to win, which is what they do. We're not as good at that. And I think a lot of Republican candidates, remember, a lot of Republican candidates, they are meeting with strategists every single day, polls, data. I mean, they're not just like reading one newspaper in the morning and making decisions. They have teams and staffs looking at all this. And if they think, well, we could get 1% or 2% of the LGBT. And if we go here, but you know, these conservatives, they don't really have a lot of demands. They don't have, they're not really in our ear on some of these stuff. They're pretty tolerant understanding people. We can maybe carve out <clears throat> some of these people in the middle and, but we'll, we, we can still have, John Henry Weston, and we can still have LifeSite News people and all that. They they make those calculations. And one of the reasons they're able to make those calculations is because we do not speak as Christians in the public square. And I am encouraging people to be bold as a lion. And we need to be telling these people, hey, not acceptable, 100% not acceptable. That's what they would do if you pulled a Super Bowl ad because you're worried about their agenda, they would be all in your face. It would be nonstop. They would be trying to tear you apart. And we need to maybe not tear people apart, but we need to gently say, we do not negotiate pro. I've never met a pro-lifer who's like, yeah, I mean, I'm pro-life, but six weeks is okay. I mean, have you ever met a pro-lifer like that, John Henry? Never. (laughs) That's not the pro-life movement. So we have to continue 
to articulate and define what pro-life means. It will always be cut away at. That is, that is our job. That's our positions. We, as the disciples of Jesus Christ, are the advocates for the little ones. We always will be. And so, so that is our job. So we need to go into politics not saying, well, separation of church and state. So, you know, on Sunday I'm in the church and on the other days I'm in the state. How schizophrenic is that? You can't remove yourself in and out of the church and the state. I'm a citizen and I'm a Christian, right? I'm a, I'm a citizen of this country and I am baptized. And those, those two things are not, they're, they're not two different real. I mean, they are two different realities, but I don't move back and forth between those two realities. So if that's true of me as just a citizen, it should be true of you as a senator. Absolutely. Last thought from you, Taylor. I know you're a very busy man. Just came off an interview before coming here. Tell us, God in the public square. What should Catholics, what should Christians do? We, even, even the pro-life movement. The pro-life movement, early on, they were like, let's be kind of like open to all, interfaith, and so we don't offend anybody. We attract a big crowd. Tell us about that. You've gone a different direction, and we've watched that play out to where it has. What's your take? Well, for hundreds of years, Christians believed that their religion should be on the public square. Literally, you know, go into the piazzas of Italy and France and Spain, and you'll see, you know, statues of Our Lady and St. James and, you know, Joan of Arc and all these beautiful testaments of Catholic saints and of Our Lady and of our Lord Jesus Christ implemented into the very fabric of society that was never seen as weird or contrarian or anti-state. Because if you think about politics as just an extension of the human family. So we, you and I, John Henry, we believe that the family is the basic unit, the building block of culture and of society. Well, if that's the case in my home, if you came to my home right now, you would come in and you see a very beautiful um, sort of a Byzantine looking um, crucifix. And you'd see an icon of, of the Holy family. And you'd see a statue of our lady and you'd see the sacred heart and immaculate heart. And you would come into my home and you would say, these people are Catholic. This is what they honor and value. Well, if culture and a nation is just the bringing together of families, well, then that culture would also take on this public expression of what these people believe. And yet we're thinking, well, I am a Christian, but I shouldn't decorate my home like a Christian. Whoa, whoa, why do you think that? So we have to re-understand, I mean, we really need to go back to Socrates and Plato and Aristotle and the church fathers and Augustine and Thomas Aquinas. We really need to re-understand what is a family, what is a human, what is matrimony, what is a family, and what is a nation? And, and really, the answer is kind of all the same for all these things, because you've got human, what is a human, matrimony, family, nation, this, these are just all continuums, the way God designed things. Can we Christians start to think that way? Can we talk that way? Can we debate that way? I believe we can. I believe if we don't start doing that, it's completely over. Like we're getting towards the edge of the cliff. So let's give it a shot. The worst they can do is mock us. I'm okay with that. Dr. Taylor Marshall, totally unashamed to bring Christ and to, to his fellow men 
Therefore, our Lord will not be ashamed of you before his Father. Uh, we don't usually do this, but you do. You remind people all the time of this. And you tell them, pray your rosary every yes. day. Otherwise, you're not on the team. Pray the rosary. And Taylor, you end out your shows with the Lord's Prayer in Latin. Would you lead us? Yes, let's pray. Let's pray. I also want to say, pray the rosary every day. The rosary, you can think of it, David and Goliath, you know, he had just this little, he didn't even have an a, a impressive weapon, but with that weapon, he defeated Goliath and, and he became a king. And, you know, pray the rosary every day. Like the saints say it, Our Lady says it, Padre Pio says it, like all the heroes say it, so let's just do it. All right, so and let's you know we'll pray. Taylor, the, uh, we'll pray my the... dad, too, had a had a saying about the rosary. He's a, he's a saint in my books. He called it our umbilical cord to our Heavenly Mother. Yes. Beautiful. I agree. I think it's wonderful. Okay. So we'll do the Our Father. Sound good? Go for it. Yeah, please. All right. In nomine Patris et Fidi et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Amen. Pater Noster, qui es in celi, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, secut in cello et in terra. Panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis odie, et demite nobis debita nostra, nostra. sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, Et ne nos inducas in tentationem. Nos inducas in tentationem. Se libera nos malo. Amen. Nomine Patris et Fidi et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. 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 Taylor Marshall, so good being with you. God bless you, my friend. Thank you. God and bless you. I hope you. for nothing more than to see you present in the United States. That would be a gift to the, uh, to the nation. But let's pray at least they let your issues come forward and, and give you fair airtime. God bless you, my friend. And God bless all of you. And we'll see you next time. Hi, everyone. This is John Henry Weston. We hope you enjoyed this program. To see more like it, be sure to hit the subscribe button below to get all the latest content from LifeSite News. Check the links in the description to read more and connect